0: Ahoy, ahoy. This is I Hate the Fins, episode 11. Episode 10 has already been recorded, but it's actually not out yet because we're having some difficulties editing it down to where it'd be suitable for your listening pleasure. So as a result, you get episode 11 before you get episode 10. My name is Keith. I'm your usual host. My usual co-host is Zach. And tonight we pretty much live up to the whole I hate the Finns billing because it's not so much that they they partook in uh, black, uh, black Monday in terms of firing coaches, which they did, and people weren't really sure if they were going to fire Adam Gase or not. They said it was going to be, it sounded like it was going to take a little while for Stephen Ross to make up his mind. It didn't take that long because Friday morning the news comes out that Adam Gase is indeed gone, no longer the head coach. Uh, And then everyone thought that, well, that means Mike Tannenbaum is going to go. And at first, they just said that Mike Tannenbaum was going to be reassigned, which had quite a few people, myself included, scratching their head. And then Armando came out with an article today that said that reassign is pretty much a euphemism for uh, soon to be phased out. And it sounds like by the time the draft comes around, the pre-draft season gets underway here and things get things get heavy in terms of getting ready for the draft, uh Mike Tannenbaum not gonna no will no longer be a part of the the team's scouting, the team's uh direction going forward. It's all Chris Greer now. That's fine and all. But that article and I'm I'm trying not to base all of my my feelings about this team on one article, but this has been boiling for a while now. It, this team is just embarrassing all the time. And Stephen Ross at first was giving it was getting a ton of credit from fans earlier in the week for finally writing the sh- ship and uh one thing that Zach I mean, I mean we'll get to in in a moment had been calling for for a while and was the first guy I I saw say this so props to him is Chris Crew should be the guy. I mean he has a a nice relationship with several people around the league uh he's good at what he does and i mean he's been silently a strong part of the front office while i mean mike tannenbaum has been more visible more vocal waging war on appetizers at restaurants everywhere it sounds like his that's his thing so chris greer ends up the guy that's fine but stephen ross I think there's culpability across the board in terms of where this team is at right now. Uh, I think he tends to... Well, first of all, it's always a half measure with this team. It's never a full measure. This is about as close I think he's gotten to emptying the cover, but he doesn't because, I mean, Chris Greer's in there, and that might be the, the right move ultimately. And in my opinion, I agree with Zach. It needed to be done. But at this point... Where this team is at, Adam Gase was supposed to be the guy. Three years later, he's gone. Uh, Matt Burke is, has not been fired yet. I mean, but I mean, unless this team has a really sick sense of humor, that will happen. Uh, where this team stands right now is somewhere between Bullygate and that incredibly awkward press conference where Stephen Ross announced the extension for Tony Sperano after he f- flirted with the the whole Jim Harbaugh thing, and he flew across, across the country to try to woo him to become the coach of the Miami Dolphins. I think that was early 2011 when that happened. It's just one embarrassment after another, and it's just the portrait of dysfunction for this team. And people say, well, Stephen Ross wants to win, and I believe that he does want to win. I just don't believe he knows how to win, and I think that he spends too much time listening to the wrong people. I think he ultimately makes decisions that are highly questionable in terms of front office personnel. And we'll get to that more in a second with that article, but it's just, it's baby town frolics all the time to coin a phrase from Archer. It's, it's embarrassing. It is something that, I mean, these guys have had such an opportunity as of late because the Patriots aren't going to be good forever. We don't think, I mean, Sam Darnold's starting to heat up a little bit. That could work in New York. We'll see. Uh, Josh Allen, a little bit of a question mark, but did some impressive things in his first year in Buffalo. And Buffalo has a really strong defense going forward. So the the window for the AFC East outside of New England is starting to open here. And the Dolphins have all but ensured that they're going to be on the outside looking in for quite a while there. And is the full rebuild necessary? Maybe. But if you're look, if you think that this is the year to get a quarterback, it depends. If you think this is the year to get a head coach, that also depends. So, Zach, I know you read a little bit of the article, and you and I talked off the air about the whole Donnapani thing, and it sounds like Team Gase Greer Tannenbaum uh, pushed her out the door. I, I that was what I took from it. And at any point, if you disagree with my uh comprehension of that article, please say so. But with everything that's going on here, like if you're a if you're a head coach, like why would you want to be a part of this dumpster fire right now?
1: I mean, collecting a paycheck's always nice. Um so that's step one. Um and I mean I don't think it's as bad as it could be. Um, you know I, I think I'm gonna say at least the Bengals situation feels worse than the Dolphins, because um, at least at least the Dolphins feel like they have some pieces on their roster. Um, but it's it's
0: we're not the yeah. Raiders. That, yeah, yeah. I mean, true. like
1: they're they may be in worse shape, and they do technically have a head coach. Um, you know, my my dad took a job with the Raiders, and I'm I'm blessed that my dad Mike Mayock um, got that job. But I'm worried for him with Chucky there because what John Gruden wants, John gets. Um, so, but that's that's a totally different story. I I don't think the Dolphin situation is the best-looking situation to obviously walk into, um, but at the end of the day, somebody's going to take the job, and, you know, hopefully the person that comes in gives 110% um, and turns things around. That's kind of all you can hope for at this point, right?
0: So the other thing you've been putting out there, and I'm giving you a, a ton of props because I mean you and I talk privately about this all the time. I mean, we we have found a way to uh drown our sorrows and in, in really kind of making fun of this team, but also just standing back and thinking like, man, this is really bad, or this is pathetic, or why is this happening? But right now, I if I'm putting a favorite to get the job, I don't I don't see how Ross can look past the original resonator here in Darren Rizzi. I think that he's the best fit in terms of what Chris Greer wants to do as a relationship with the players on the team, which is a big reason why what some camps are claiming why Adam Gase is gone. At, at, that's at least part of the part of the problem. So in your mind, is Darren Rizzi the favorite? And in your mind, should he be?
1: I think it's too early to call a favorite. I think he's easily the player's favorite. I mean, I was just scrolling through Twitter and stuff again. And then I saw um, there were endorsements from Reggie Bush. Um, he he recently must've found out. And um, um, Williams, um, Damian, Damian Williams. Williams. Um, you know, so uh, all the players love him. Um, there's been support from guys from the second he walked in in 2010 till guys that are still on the team. Um, You know, I think it was funny how you said that, you know, you you don't see how Ross and co could pass on him at this point, but, you know, essentially the same thing was happening when Dan Campbell was finishing out the season. Do I think Dan Campbell would have been the right choice at that point? No. Um, But, you know, all the, all the guys were saying like, yeah, let's, let's go with Dan. You know, Dan's done a good job. Like Dan has our back. Like we have his back. Yeah. and they didn't, but that's okay. Um so I at this point I'd like to see Rizzy, um, even just for the sake of giving him a shot. Um, because I think he's he's earned it. He's put in, you know, almost a decade of really good work. The Dolphins special teams have been one of the more consistent units, not just from the team, but in the whole league. Um, you know, they always have one star stud kind of tackler that's michael thomas or mike Hull or um um why am i blanking his name uh walt akins um so you always got a guy like that they're young kickers and punters are always good no matter who they have in there and there's always a decent guy returning balls so at the end of the day he's he's done a really good job in miami so i'd like to see him get his shot
0: i think he is a major component of Matt Hawk becoming a really strong punter because if I mean we all recall everyone hated that move and I mean the team was getting killed for it and now Matt Hawk is a strength for this team so that's part here so that's what here's what I meant when I talk about the fact that I don't understand why Ross and company Greer uh, would not hire resonator and the reason for that is if you're into John Harbaugh who was a special teams coach before he became head coach and you're looking for a fiery special teams guy you, know, you already have one in-house and you don't have to trade picks for him because I mean the, it's they're just rumors right now but there are people saying like the asking price could be two first rounders for John Harbaugh that's insane the guy was almost fired I mean, it's not like he's firmly entrenched in Baltimore's future plans here. So, I mean, that's, I get it. They're, Baltimore is just trying to, or people in Baltimore's camp or whatever are just trying to levy for as much as they can get in a deal like that. But John Harbaugh, in my opinion, might be a player's coach to some people, but I've seen how he treats his staff. Uh, I don't think he's a super tactful guy when it comes to handling. Uh, people around him, and you just fired Adam GaSe for for essentially the same thing. So, it if you're into that 2012 Super Bowl, the fact that um, they're typically always really strong on defense, and if that's eye candy for you, that's fine. But I think that there are a lot of people in Baltimore who work to make that happen. I think Ozzie Newsom killing his drafts certainly had a big thing to do that. Something Miami has not done for every Miami draft that's great, then they take two steps back with a, they follow it up with something that's not good. You think about how, how much good they did in 2016. The book is still open for what's going to be written for 2017, but right now it's not super promising. We'll see. But and if you're if you're looking for John Harbaugh, I mean like I in my opinion, I think you have a young, more likable version in Darren Rizzi. So I don't know. That's just where I'm at there. I don't you don't have to trade picks for him. He doesn't even have to relocate. I mean, he's already in house. Team loves him. Uh that's a big thing, in my opinion, right now. Again, that's something they just they just grease the previous coach for. The the relationship with some players sounds like uh you mentioned Damian Williams coming out supporting him. Uh I saw Mike Pouncey was, was tweeting out about him. Everyone, everyone has really nice things to say, and maybe that goes a long way for what this team is looking for in their next head coach. Now, if they go outside, and I mean, full disclosure to everyone, we recorded a show last night and then ended up, I mean, were, we were having problems with, um, I think the internet just hated us last night. So we ended up having to scrap it. But what we spent a lot of time talking about is, I mean, a lot of people who are also up on the Dolphins, Wish list in terms of head coaching candidates, like Vic Fangio's way up there, and I mean, I'm probably not going to earn myself any favors here. But if I were Vic Fangio, I don't, I wouldn't take the Dolphins' job. He might, maybe, he, you know, I'm not him, so maybe he looks at it and he loves the challenge, and maybe Stephen Ross looks at him and thinks like this guy doesn't take any crap whatsoever. He's what I need. I, I'm not sure, but if I'm Vic Fangio. And I look over the Dolphins situation. I look over at the fact that their defensive line needs to be rebuilt. And, I mean, that's not opinion. That's essentially a fact. It does. And you need a quarterback. The team has essentially said that, all but said, that, hey, this is going to be a, a rebuild, and they're hope, hoping it's a short-term one. Why would, why would you leave Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks and Leonard Floyd and Roquan Smith and Eddie Jackson for that? I mean, I would not. That sound, and I mean, there's no guarantee that that when he comes to Miami, I mean, there's a lot they're going to have to hit on. They have to get a quarterback, because I mean, Ryan Tannehill is not the guy. So, I don't know. That that's just me, and maybe he ends up taking that job, and then I just say like, "Oh, yeah, I clearly don't know anything." That could very well be the case, because like I said, I'm not Vic Fangio, but if I had the the most Stacked defense in terms of talent and personnel in the league, which I believe Chicago has and will have for the, about the next five years, as long as Mitchell Trubisky's playing on that rookie contract. I mean, they're gonna be they're gonna have a lot of leeway with what they do on defense. <clears throat> I would not leave that, but that's just me. Um, and then you look at some of the the other candidates out there, and Zach, you'll have to help me because I'm drawing a little bit of a blank right now. Um, guys, that I mean, Chris Richards' name's been thrown around, and we've definitely shown him love on this show. Uh, has done impressive things. And a lot of people, it's funny when times like this come up and people are interviewing, you think about like when Adam Gates was interviewing, and a lot, a lot of people, like one thing he hung his hat on, or, or people hung his hat on for him, was what he did in Denver, you know, what he did with Peyton Manning. And then when he was the QB coach, when Tim Tebow was there. And working with him, I mean, they won a playoff game, which, if you have Tim Tebow, was a really impressive thing. So, Chris Richard is getting Legion of Boom references right now. And a lot of people claim that he was the principal architect of what you saw there in terms of how they played. So, how are you feeling about Chris Richard right now? It'd be a little weird to go from secondary coach, pass game coordinator, I think they're calling him too, uh, to head coach, just skipping the defensive coordinator uh tag while he's in dallas right now but i mean what do you think are you still are you cool with that or is that just another name that people are throwing around because they that that
1: jumps tough um it reminds me of uh didn't raheem morris do that where he hopped right from db coach to head coach or did he do a dc stint in there yeah Um,
0: yeah i can't i can't can't remember off the top of my head I, I haven't thought, I haven't thought about Raheem Morris. <laughs> I know
1: that, that was one that I was just pulling out of thin air. It felt like, but, but yeah, I mean, I like Richard. I think he, he seems like a player's coach. He has endorsements from some pretty big name guys, you know, uh, an endorsement for Richard Sherman's pretty good. Um, but I think more importantly, more importantly, what looks good for him in Miami is that, um, the way he he kind of worked those uh, DBs in Dallas there. Um, Byron Jones was kind of that pre-Minka kind of guy where, was he a safety? Was he a corner? Does he do his best work in the nickel? Um, and he seemed to finally get the most out of him this year. Um, plus, Jordan Lewis um, and they they both had great years too. So, I think it's one of those things where at that point, if you're bringing him in, you're bringing him in thinking that he can get you into this next wave, next generation of defenses to combat the the Rams and the, the Chiefs of the world. Um, I don't know if he's the right fit. He may be too young, not experienced enough either, um, but it's somebody that if he was hired, I wouldn't be upset about.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's he's getting a lot of attention right now, and I thought he would because what he's doing in, uh, excuse me, what he's doing in uh, Dallas right now is something where, I mean, that for a while there, they couldn't figure it, like you said, they couldn't figure out what they wanted to do in terms of their secondary. Uh, I've never understood why that team got away from the 3-4. I realized that Rod Marinelli's deal is he doesn't want to do that. But when you think about, like, these powerhouse Dallas, I'm kind of going off on a tangent, but it's always a thing that comes up when people talk about Dallas' defense. And it's like, dude, I remember when they were a 3-4 and they were rolling, like, DeMarcus, where I realized he's not there anymore. But in terms of the guys they have now, like, if you're telling me you couldn't run a 3-4 and have, like, Sean Lee and uh, Leighton Van uh, in the middle there, or if you want to also work in uh, Jalen Smith. I don't know. Anyway, <clears throat> that's just a, a thought of mine. But Chris Richards is an intriguing name. I'm trying to think of, uh, just off the top of my head, some of the other guys that they're uh, interested BNME. in. enemy Eric, Eric BNME. Okay, so we can talk about that. I knew there was one, and again, I mentioned this last night, so I feel like I'm repeating myself, but people are never going to hear that show. Uh, I always think about being a kid and watching NFL Primetime, and Eric enemy was a name that Chris Berman would always make jokes about. <clears throat> So when I hear that name, it takes me back. But right now, so his principal thing is running backs. And right now he's the offensive coordinator in Kansas City, but he's not the play caller because Andy Reid's handling that now that Matt Nagy's gone. So, I mean, is it a Philbin thing? I mean, I I feel terrible asking that, but...
1: I I mean, I I honestly don't have an answer for that. That's, That's one of the toughest things where... When guys come from a team where the head coach is calling a lot of the plays and doing a lot of work, they're like, what do they have to show for it? You know, um, the recent success for guys like Peterson coming out and Matt Nagy, um, makes you want to believe that he has the same kind of stuff behind him, but who knows? Um, You know, I I guess that's going to be one of those things where he either demonstrates it to Greer and Ross and they feel good about it and they think he can call plays and do what he needs to do and they put the hire out there. Um, But if he doesn't get hired, and especially if he goes through this cycle and doesn't get hired by anybody, that may be a question that comes up moving forward if he isn't handed any sort of play calling duties. Um, But he's another guy that, that, players seem to like. Um, I've seen a lot of Chiefs players saying nice things about him. I even saw um, Jamal Charles saying nice things about him. So, you know, it it's like, again, a guy that if the Dolphins hired him, I would not be upset about. Um, but there are some questions in there.
0: Well, the thing about Eric Bieniemy being a running-minded guy, I saw a lot of people <clears throat> on Twitter immediately bringing up the fact that if you're looking for this these big offenses, Uh, To come out, or I would say a big offense coming from a guy who's uh, essentially a ground first minded dude, Um, you might not get there. I would counter with Anthony Lynn out in L.A. is probably, in my opinion, like a close runner up. For uh, coach of the year, and he's he coming from Buffalo to take over the Chargers. I mean, he's a run minded dude, so that's okay. I mean, just because, and I love running the ball. I mean, I'm, I love throwing the ball too. But I'm someone where, like, when I watch games and like teams don't run the ball enough, it really starts to irritate me. And I understand that the NFL is, uh, it's so many concepts now where with teams that how they want to operate their passing game, how they want to coordinate it, and they have so many receiving options, and you have all these college concepts where you have a lot of air raid stuff that you're seeing in the NFL now. And the air raid is absolutely allergic to the ground game for the most part. I mean, they use the back essentially as a receiver too. So um, I love it though. So if Eric Bieniemy was the guy, that's fine. I'm not worried about him lacking the, uh, the resume and mindset of a guy like a Sean McVay or something. Because I realize that's what a lot of teams want right now. They want Sean McVay <laughs> part two. They want Matt Nagy part two.
1: If I was interviewing him, essentially, if I was Greer, I would just say, "How do you feel about drafting a guard and another guard in the first and second rounds?" And if he signs off on that, he's my coach. That's. <laughs> I just want to remember when uh, the Chargers took Lamp and then uh, Feeney.
0: Dan, yeah.
1: Like that's that's the dream. I was they were living the dream, taking two guards right there.
0: And Dan Feeney could have gone in the first round of that draft, and I don't in late in the first round, and I don't think any anyone would have thought something weird of it like i love nope. how he essentially, played
1: essentially the biggest thing on him was the concussions and yeah. i think if people didn't have the concussion scares i think he probably does go in the first round of that class because
0: i went on a show i used to go on um afc east bros and those uh, t- like kyle and gary kyle and, and kyle's, kyle's a, yeah yeah and kyle's a jets fan and Gary's a Bills fan, but I mean, like, they're really funny guys. I mean, they're really, like, thoughtful. Um, They're just inclined to make fun of their teams as we are about ours. So that's pretty cool. But I remember uh, Gary was really into Dan Feeney and asked me about him, and I said, yeah, I love him too. And Gary thought he was going to go in the first round. And I essentially said the same thing that you just said. Like, he should go in the first round, but I think, like, some of the injury stuff at Indiana would probably push him to day two. And I mean, the thing is, is like he's the one who's absolutely rocked it for the Chargers and Lamp. I mean, he tears his ACL really early on uh, after joining the team. And in in my opinion, hasn't been the guy that had he been brought to Miami. Can you imagine if we drafted him and all that happened? Fans would be losing their minds. Uh, So, and I loved him coming out of school. I mean, he had that signature game. There was a streak there where My favorite draft guys were dudes who threw around Alabama at one point or another, like Jack Conklin in the I think it was the Peach Bowl when it was the uh, penultimate uh, college playoff game. And I think that was uh, going into 2016 and Jack Conklin was just throwing around. And he was the only dude, in my opinion, who showed up for Michigan State that night, just threw defenders around. And I was like, this guy is awesome. So. Uh, Forrest Lamp playing for uh Western Kentucky does the same thing. you know just throwing dudes around there so I loved it. I mean and that was like his signature tape was how he played and people knew he wasn't gonna be a tackle at the next level. He's gonna be a guard and we're getting off on tangents again but we were we were think, big fans I, of. Forrest I think Lamp. the
1: last two coaches that we have to hit um would be Brian Flores and um Munchak. I think those are the only other ones that they've requested some sort of interview for.
0: So Munchak's, the end of his stay in Tennessee was weird. Was, I don't know. Just, I thought it was a very strange set of circumstances, what went down with him. And I still have never really seen um, clarification on what went there. I mean, like he's an old school guy, really. Which I mean, I I appreciate, and if you're into Vic Fangio, you can't write off Mike Munchak for being for being an old school dude. But I I kind of get some of the attention he's getting, especially because I think he's currently with Pittsburgh, right? And um,
1: yep, he, he I think he was their yeah. offensive line coach this past year.
0: Yeah, and I mean, their Pittsburgh's offensive line has been a strength. I mean, granted, I mean they have a lot of talent in there. I mean Villanueva is just a guy who's always under the radar yet plays well. Pouncy has been healthier. Uh, DeCastro, everyone knew that, that guy was going to be a stud coming out of Stanford, and he has been. So um, that that's fine. Brian Flores is interesting in that, what, first-year defensive coordinator?
1: Yeah, I mean, first-year defensive coordinator took over for uh, Patricia there. I didn't think yeah. that he, the defense for the Pats were that good that, this year. The Pats were like they weren't surprisingly iffy this year across the board. Um but so at the end of the day, you know, he's I think the last two guys that we've mentioned have been the last two guys that we've mentioned for a reason. Um Right. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be distraught if they hired either of those guys, but I wouldn't be excited either. Um you know, if either of those guys are hired, more than likely I'm looking at like, all right, come three years from now we may be looking at a new coach. But other than that, um and like the Bill Belichick coaching tree has not been that good. So No. You know, I think his his major successes um were like Sabins attached to him technically. Um um oh my god why can i not remember the guy that that's the coach for Iowa Kirk um Kirk Ference right
0: yeah yeah Kirk Ferentz.
1: he's he's attached to him um and then you know uh, there's there's Bill O'Brien who's good um the Josh McDaniel saga perpetually continues Jim Schwartz and that's it really like another a couple other coaches that were you know, iffy for him, good not good. However, you want to look at it. You know, Eric Mangini, um, Romeo Cronell, Charlie Weiss. Like those are just a few of the guys that were just like technically head coaches. Um, but you know, I, I don't think I don't think Bill's a very good teacher, um, and I don't really expect too much from anybody coming out from him, under him, to be honest.
0: No, I th- I hope that we're past the point of thinking that. Bill's coaching style is just going to rub off on the people with whom he works because as you mentioned I mean there's a long list of guys who should have been good coming from there I mean the it's way too early to know about Patricia it sounds like McDaniels is going to get serious consideration from the Packers it's so funny because where you're removed from teams claiming that they were never going to touch that guy after the whole uh, Indianapolis Colts um, the dying and Dash leaving them at the all yeah, the leaving them at the altar. And then you come to find out that, I mean, there was a lot that went on behind the scenes there that, I mean, yeah. it doesn't sound like it was just him, but he just has a punchable face and I dislike him anyway. So it, it's easy to, I, I think it's easy to blame him for everything. Yeah. So, I mean, and like, when people uh, are taking Jay Cutler. Go ahead.
1: Very good. Finish up.
0: Oh, I, I was just going to say that when people are taking Jay Cutler's side over yours, like you yeah. realize that you're a douche.
1: Yeah, and so. I mean, like, and on top of that, um, you know, I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily want Bill Belichick's coaching style to rub off on people. Because everyone that comes out of the Pats after they've won a couple, couple Super Bowls is like, yeah, if I wanted to join the military, like, I would have went to the military. Like, he's kind <laughs> of a rigid old yeah. dick. Um, and and <laughs> I mean, that that could be figurative and literal, we don't know, but... Um, oh, <laughs> at the end of the day, I don't necessarily <laughs> want a bunch of coaches that are mini Bill Belichick's, to be honest, regardless of how good or not good they are.
0: No, I think Bill's an anomaly in terms of his, uh, his style of coaching is abrasive, he's an abrasive person, he can't be bothered to dress up nine tenths of the games that he appears at. Um, so I, I don't know, but I I get that because people want the offense that e- they can be easily swayed into thinking like Josh McDaniels. Oh, we'll give it a chance. It'll work for it'll work for us. You know, Indianapolis just had some bad luck going there, although it seems like it worked out because Frank Reich looks pretty good. Yeah, but I don't know. All of this is to say that there are a lot of coaching options out, out there, and I'm really interested to see if Stephen Ross tries to go with a. I mean, this is a relative statement concerning the class out there right now. Goes with the sexy guy, or he goes I mean, he sticks with what he knows and what the team knows, and they go with Rizzy. I'm very curious to see because in the past, I I think Rizzy, and you mentioned um Man Campbell as a prime example of this. Ross is always gonna eschew the in house dude for the sexy name. You know, the Harbaugh you know, trying to woo him over Sperano, who is still with the team or, you know, going for Adam Gase when, you know, man, Campbell comes in halfway through 2015 and the first two games under him. I mean, this team, I've never seen them look better or angrier than they did in those two games because they just beat the hell out of people, especially Houston. And Houston has just owned the Dolphins since Houston hit the league in 2002. I think their first game was 03 the next season. But Uh, the Texans have just rocked them and under man Campbell, the dolphins go out there and just absolutely like just beat the brakes off them. Uh, So I don't know. I'm really curious to see if he, if he goes with the, the fancy window dressing hire, or if he goes, if if he goes with uh I don't want to call Rizzy the safe approach, but I mean, he is the, he is the safe pick, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, again, safe, it depends on what we're going to define safe as. But I mean, I feel like he's the safest bet as far as, well, we won't have to worry about players disliking him, you know, so you can just kind of move that's on from I mean. there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If if that's the way you're talking, yeah. then yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah, I probably should have brought clarification to that, but that's what I mean. Just I mean, you know, the players are going to love him. The players are going to play hard for him and everything. I mean, you 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 don't run the risk of going through with Rizzi what you just went through with Adam GaSe in terms of chafing between player and coach. So, I don't know. And yes, I am watching the clock. Uh, so, <laughs> is there anything else you want to you want to want to get out there? I figured we can do thirty five.
1: The only other thing that I want to throw out 35. there, which is really sad and really lame, is no Zach Thomas and Hall of Famer finalist again. Really
0: lame. Really. Yeah, that's as some look. Um, a lot of these guys who are getting in now were in their prime when I was a kid, so I was able to watch a lot of these dudes play. And Zach Thomas' his first game was I think the Dolphins opened their season against New England in '96, and Zach Thomas immediately in that game. And mind you, no one is talking about that guy. So I, I think he's a fifth round pick. Uh, and I mean, he's just an undersized dude out of Texas tech, you know, and so no one's really talking about him. And then he just lowered the boom in that game. And all of a sudden I remember watching that cause it was that, you know, we didn't have Sunday ticket at that point, but it was the, they showed it up here in Chicagoland as like the late afternoon game. Uh, and I just remember watching, I was thinking like, who is this, who is this linebacker that these guys have? This dude is destroying everyone. And then the thing is he just proceeded to do that pretty much the rest of his career. You think about like some of the hits he was dropping against the Jets, I want to say on Christmas night, 2006. I mean he erased a dude. and I mean, you're talking about a span of 10 years there. And Zach I feel like from beginning to end, you pretty much got the thing, the same thing from Zach Thomas and that was just high level play, high level leadership, high level moxie, high level class, just as good a linebacker as I've watched play that position. So I don't understand why he's going to ha- he's going to have to wait another year to be on the to to really get in there. But it pisses me off.
1: Yeah, I mean Zach Thomas, especially like growing up in the 90s and like early 2000s when there wasn't a ton of dolphinage to really hang my hat on, um growing up a kid that played some linebacker and and defensive line. When I was a little little heavier kid, um, you know, the guys that I really loved were were Jason Taylor and Zach Thomas. Um, and so I got to see the back end of his really good years there, and and everything he did just amazed me. Especially because you know at that time he was even considered like too small, not fast enough. Um, he he was like a little box, little blocky kind of guy, um, but he he. Honestly, Roquan Smith reminds me a lot of him, but like a more modern, amplified version. Cause when Zach Thomas used to blitz, like when he was told to go, that dude would run up in there and blow dudes up. Um, yeah, he was surprisingly good in coverage, and he was an always reliable tackler. So Oh yeah. You know, when he's got this and, and if you look at the stats too, he's got justifiable stats to make it happen, but he'll never be a sexy enough guy that when you have all these other guys on the list, you know, the voters are going to be like, oh yeah, Zach Thomas. Oh yeah. But like Ed Reed's eligible this year, you know, Tony Gonzalez is available this year. So I think I'm going to say, I think he gets in eventually. Um, but it's going to be one of those back end, um, like way overdue kind of moments.
0: That's lame. Uh, I realized they already had Tim Bowens in. In house when they, they drafted Zach Thomas in, in 1996. But for my money, the Dolphins really broke ground on that great late 90s, early 2000s defense that we all knew and loved uh, when they drafted Zach. Because then, I mean, the next year they bring in Sam Madison, they bring in Jason Taylor. Year after that, they're bringing in Patrick Sertan. So, I mean, there's other guys. Uh, eventually they bring in Adewale Agunlia. And that's, in my opinion, still the dumbest deal the Dolphins have ever made. And that just trading away your complimentary pass rusher to Jason Taylor for a wide receiver was just insanely stupid. So, I don't know. But I think they did get Channing Crowder out of the, the pick compensation. So, I mean, that's one thing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Does he still have his radio show in Miami? I, remember I don't know, he was doing that him. for a little while, too. Yeah, he, he, was, a, he was an underrated kind of guy.
0: He was good. I mean, he was good for that team at the time. And the funny thing is, he was like the original. You see a lot of these players who were rebelling against Gase. And then I just watched and thought about like when Channing was rebelling against a, what, a lot of what was going on when he was with the team. So I don't know. Maybe a trendsetter. I'm not sure. Okay, so I said we we're going to do 30 minutes. What I meant was 40. But that's OK, because I feel like this is we. I feel, I feel like we didn't waste a lot of time tonight. And while we were talking, it, it hit me. And I want to say that Raheem Morris was briefly the defensive coordinator, because I think they named him defensive coordinator. And I feel like Gruden got fired almost immediately.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't remember. And if it was, it was a short thing there. So
0: I don't know. That's why I was slowing down at one point, because multitasking is hard. But I kept thinking I was like, Yeah, I think I know that. but. And then you mentioned Kurt Ferentz. Um That dude uh, just produces really good NFL-ready football players. And I'm by no means, like, I love the Big Ten, but I am by no stretch a fan of the University of Iowa, even though I almost went there. Like, it was down to Iowa, Indiana University. I think I briefly considered Nebraska. And then I ultimately went to Northern Illinois. And the funny thing is, Northern Il- that was the year where Northern Illinois finally started to find football success so obviously i was solely responsible for that but um all that has to say that i'm not a huge while i'm not a fan of iowa kirk has just produced like really good i mean like it's maybe not stud talent all the time but especially on the offensive line i mean you just produce like i mean brian belago when he's healthy brandon sheriff uh or sheriff depending on who you talk to your boy desmond king <laughs> I mean they've just Desmond really King. bounced oh, De- Desmond King, King and
1: Matt Judon are the two guys that if I could go back in time and like bomb threat the Dolphins facility if they didn't draft them, I totally would.
0: You were right. You were you were so in on that Judon train early and then they didn't listen to you. So You'll always have that, and then for sure Desmond <laughs> King. I have to laugh because De- all Desmond King does is just make plays for the Chargers. And every time I see him do that, I'm like, uh, I hope I hope Zach didn't see that." Yeah, so,
1: yeah. Oh, Desmond King,
0: the one that got away. So I don't know, but I love the f- the football players that that school has produced. Uh, a lot of a lot of good dudes. They're usually really good at producing quality defensive linemen in addition to offensive linemen. I mean, really, not a school where you want to take quarterbacks, but I mean, sometimes they'll surprise you with a running back or two. This year, they've become like tight end university. So, and, and the mean, guy
1: that's going to come out of there this year that isn't going to get a lot of love because of the tight ends is uh, one of their defensive ends. I don't even know he might have to declare. He might still be technically an underclassman, but um, Anthony Nelson, he's going to be that that like next wave of just really tall like six seven, 305 pound white guys like he's he's done a really solid job for them he might not even be that heavy he might be closer to like 290 but
0: i was gonna say at 305 then i mean that almost guarantees that he's at least a stud five technique at the nfl and then because i've watched him play and i agree like that dude just it's it's almost like sneaky tape in how he plays, but he looks great. So like I said, if, if your team takes Iowa players, chances are, it's probably going to work out for you. And if you're the Raiders and like you take Robert gallery and it doesn't work out at left tackle, but then he turns into a stud guard. It's just too bad. You took him like second overall, but still kind of works out. So, um, I guess this is, this is a good stopping point. This is what we want to do. We want to do 30 minutes. We ended up at, we're going to end up at 43. I feel like that's a victory.
1: Oh yeah. So yeah.
0: Um, thanks for, th- thanks for tuning in. Um, ooh, actually, you know what? Real quick, let's do picks for. <laughs> we're, we're going this to forty five. I can't help it. Uh, we're gonna do it. We're gonna what? do it live. Yeah, we can. Uh, all right, so this. just. All right, yeah, we can. Uh, so first game, I always feel bad for Houston because they always get tossed into that that three o'clock game on Saturday afternoon because it's the NFL's way of saying like we think that people are least interested in watching you play. So I feel bad for the Texans in that regard. Um, so Houston, Indy, who you got?
1: Um, I'm taking Houston, not buying Indy, and I'm all about Deshaun Watson.
0: Deshaun Watson looks so good. I, for some reason, though, just, I I don't know. I, I'm going to take Indy. I think that they pull the upset. Um, I think they've been a really tough matchup for Houston this year. Although it would be interesting to see Houston just decimate them after struggling with them this year. Uh, Saturday night. Seattle's in uh, Jerry World. What do you got for that?
1: Uh, Seattle, just because I want to be able to interview Chris Richards sooner rather than later.
0: Of course, of course. You actually mentioned that last night. So I love your consistency <laughs> there. Like that's on your mind. Oh, I love it. Just when you have the built in answer, I wish I had more of those. Uh, Sunday's the day that has my attention, obviously, because I've got money. I've talked about this before. Last March, I put on 25 to 1 odds, I put money down on the Chargers to win the Super Bowl. Because I mean that's pretty decent odds at that point. So here we are, twelve and four, and they're on the road. They're in Baltimore. You said yesterday that that place is like eight minutes from your house. You need to go. Uh, but more importantly, what do you think happens?
1: Uh, I'm taking Chargers. Um, you mentioned last night, um, and you've mentioned a couple times actually leading up to this game that the biggest benefit that the Chargers actually have is that they played Lamar Jackson once. Um, I think they'll be yeah. way more prepared for that that read option-y kind of run game. Um and I think Lamar's gonna have to legitimately beat him with this his arm. Um I don't know if he's there yet. I don't know if Baltimore has the receivers to do it.
0: The only thing that, about that um that's scheme, I guess you'd say, is I I wonder about the Chargers linebackers. Like I wonder who they're gonna use. Like you just spy him with Derwin James. I mean because, I mean, there's so many things you can do with that guy. He's like a Swiss army knife in terms of uh, the the safety position. But I ag- I agree that they're going to make him throw the ball. Uh, Lamar totally caught them with their pants down in that Saturday night game. And L.A. still should have won that game. Because, I mean, they're driving right down the field. And then Antonio Gates had that horrible fumble. <clears throat> I'm taking Chargers as well just because I can't bet against my uh, daughter's.
1: I mean, if. If I'm going to use anybody to spy, I mean, you could use um, Derwin James, but I feel like that's a waste. I think uh, Jatavius Brown could definitely get it done. He's another guy that I liked coming out of Akron. He's got some wheels behind him. think
0: about it, uh, the Chargers have done a really good job at picking up all of your, your draft crushes.
1: Yeah, they really have. I need some some compensation for that.
0: The reason I mentioned Derwin James is because I just watching the way he played in the first game. Um, I thought they could have been more aggressive with him. And something tells me Gus Bradley knows that because Derwin James is so good. I mean, like he can do pretty much. I mean, I like him in coverage. I love it when he runs up and smacks the run. So, I mean, he's going to be a guy where he's going to do multiple things in that game. I love San Diego's ability to move him around. They use him the right way. I think you said that, that it would have been a shame for Derwin to go to a place and not get used properly gus bradley gets it so i'm interested to see who they've got lamar jackson um deed up against in that game so i maybe they're using multiple guys we'll see uh sunday night or i should say late sunday afternoon philadelphia is in chicago what do you think
1: i gotta say chicago i think chicago is just a better team um i think that there's always a chance that Philly pulls the upset there Um, just because they've done it before. Everybody counts Nick Foles out all the time. Um, But I just think that the Bears have been on too much of a roll um, and that defense is just too good.
0: I think that this is the game where the Bears' offense finally gets some attention from people because even though Matt Nagy's been a really good play caller for them this season, and he's really stepped things up in terms of evolving his aggressive nature, like they're not sitting back in the second half like they did um, in Green Bay on a Sunday night, opening weekend. Uh, he's aggressive throughout. He does not take his foot off the gas. I think this is where you get a good mix of Mitchell Trubisky. I think they're going to try to throw short early to try to get him rolling. And then I don't think it's going to take long. I think they're going to they're gonna take on Fletcher Cox and Co., And like, first of all, by setting Philadelphia up with that pass, Chicago wants to run the ball, which I mean, they're good at. I mean, they're I think their their line is underrated in that I would I would put it at least top 10, maybe higher top seven, maybe top five right now. I love their offensive line. Kyle Long might be back um, and they want to run with Jordan Howard and they want to set some things up with Tariq Cohen in the backfield as well. So I think that their offense could get going. Philadelphia's secondary has been an infirmary as of late, although they've gotten some really good play from guys like Result Douglas. But as you mentioned, this is, this is still a team that's built on defense primarily, and Vic Fangio has had this this unit just humming as of late. And the funny thing is I don't think Khalil Mack has had a sack since the Green Bay game when he had three. I mean, he had a ton of pressures in in San Francisco, and they were clearly trying to get rid of the ball quickly to avoid him. And then last week, he had a a couple of near misses. Uh, He's always pressuring. He just hasn't really gotten home as of late. But a lot of people have been talking about the fact that the last time Khalil Mack saw the Eagles, uh, he um, struggled against Lane Johnson. And Lane Johnson's a really good tackle, but, I mean, Chicago's going to flip Floyd and Mack often. so. I expect them to feast. I expect Chicago's defense to do what it has done. And even though a lot of people in the the media are picking against the Bears right now, I'm not really sure what that's all about. I think the Bears win at home. So which will set up a really good divisional weekend, I think, because then that means they'd go to L.A. on Saturday night, which would be a cool game. The rematch, if you will. All right. Uh, For Zach, uh, my name is Keith. Thanks for tuning in and listening to us babble. We only did, well, now it's 50 minutes, but that's okay. That is serious progress. We can can build on this. So um, if you can uh, also check out the other programs we've got under the FinCider Radio Podcast Network. I think I said that correctly. FinCider Radio, my old show, is on there. Uh, They've got another program called The Blowhole. I think that comes out tomorrow. So a lot of programs to check out, a lot of content, good stuff to check out for the Dolphins and other teams around the league. So uh, thanks for tuning in. Again, my name is Keith. And for Zach, uh, have a great night. We'll talk to you next week. My name is Spencer Hall. My name is Jason Kirk. My name is Ryan Nanny
1: The shutdown forecast.
0: It's not Voltron.